Welcome to the Enchanted Ears Podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. And on today's episode, we have a great interview with Chris from TDR Explorer. So we are talking all things Tokyo Disney. Yeah, and this is a perfect opportunity for us all to kind of just listen and transport ourselves to a different place. Because by now, you're probably tired of your house, your family, possibly, yeah, <laughs> possibly your car and possibly your workplace. And you just want to go somewhere else. So listen to this podcast and just pretend you're there. Yeah. And Chris has a lot of great insight from the Tokyo resorts. Uh, he's been in there over a hundred times. We talked about that. So, mm-hmm. you know, he has a, a lot of great tips for anybody wanting to travel. But one of the main reasons we want to have him on was the new Beauty and the Beast attraction. So having some firsthand knowledge of that to, really get a feel for what the ride's all about was great. I mean, we talked about it a few weeks ago. From the video, it's it's hard to get everything. And and Chris goes into a lot of detail of just how incredible the story in the land is that I think really won me over specifically that I'm really excited about this ride now. So And he has an interesting story in general. I mean he's originally from Canada and then moved to Japan. So I I just talking to him in general was very interesting. Yeah. So we'll, uh, we're going to flip the show a little bit. So we'll get right into the interview now, and then we will do Disney news after the interview. And I do want to say real quick, before we jump into the interview, we had a little bit of audio technical difficulties on our end. So our audio is a little bit quieter than Chris's. So I apologize if you have a little trouble hearing us. I tried to turn it up as much as I can, but I know we are a little bit soft uh, in certain cases. So just want to let everybody know that not an issue on your end. It was on our end, but enjoy the interview. All right. So we are happy to be joined this week by Chris from TDR Explorer. Chris, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to so, be fun. Um, you have a really interesting story. So uh, can you just, we just want to talk a little bit about that. Why did you move from Canada to Japan? why that's a good question (laughs) um well initially i was only supposed to be in japan for a year that was that was the plan because uh i came over on a working holiday visa um where japan has this like agreement with other with specific countries i know they don't have it for the u.s but they do have it for like canada the uk australia and other countries where we can come to Japan for a year on a like a special working visa called a working holiday and we can stay for up to a year. And so I thought, well, I might as well do it because <laughs> uh, I used to live in Japan before because I did a study abroad when I was in high school. Oh, wow, that's nice. Yeah, it is. I wanted to just come back and I knew that was probably the easiest way for me to get back to Japan for a year. And the cutoff for the working holiday was is age 30, and I was 28 at the time. So I thought, okay, well, this is kind of a now or never type situation. So I did that, and then I came over here, and I was just planning to just kind of maybe find odd jobs, travel around the country for a bit, and just and then go back home to Canada. Uh, but that didn't happen. It's seven years later and <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> I ended up, I started going to the parks, uh, here in, uh, Japan, obviously. And no one was really talking about the parks. Like there wasn't a lot of information out there. So I just started writing just for fun. Just like, oh, this was my day at the park. I had to, this is how I bought an annual pass. This is the type of food that I ate. Like it wasn't, I, I didn't plan any of it. I just started writing and then just kind of, I don't know, over the course of a couple of years, I noticed more and more people were reading my stuff and wanting to know more about the parks and everything. And this was kind of when Japan was starting to kind of ramp up their um, like tourism and stuff for foreign tourists. Yeah, then it just kind of got away from me. And here we are. <laughs> <laughs> and now I think I read on your website, and, and for anybody who doesn't know, uh, TDR stands for Tokyo Disney Resort. So you cover... The, uh, the Tokyo resorts. But I think I read on your website, you've been to the parks now over a hundred times. Yes. Right in your course of your time. Okay. So you're, More than you're that, an expert. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I, you know, I still don't 
I don't know. I, I don't I don't use that word all that much, but yeah, for lack of a better term, I guess, yeah. <laughs> you can own it. It's okay. Yeah. We'll let you. <laughs> I was gonna say we we took our first trip to the Tokyo resorts last year. Mm-hmm. Um and it, I mean it's just a completely different experience. So mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely would say you're the expert. So any if you've been there a hundred times, I think that <laughs> makes you an expert. So Yeah. So does uh Disney Sea ever get old? <laughs> does it ever get old? Huh. Um, you definitely get used to it. Uh, Disney mm-hmm. Sea kind of sets that that bar pretty high in terms of what a theme park should be, in terms of uh, quality and and things like that. Um, whenever I go, I don't always go on the rides necessarily, just because the wait times are usually pretty high. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. The theming of it and all the Imagineering that went into it, that never gets old. Like, I'm always finding new things at Disney Sea. Like, even after I've been so many times, there's still, like, these little like little details that I notice um, after going for so long. So, maybe the rides get a little, you know, I don't want to say old, but, you know, you, you get used to them, right? You know, it feels like, okay, yeah, well, that's always going to be there, so I'll ride it next time. But all this other stuff is just... It never gets old. It's just nice to even just walk around for an hour and not do anything else. I could imagine that, like you said, just just being able to be in that environment, you just having that luxury mm-hmm. of just going in there for a little bit of time. You don't even necessarily have to ride the rides. No pressure. Yeah, it's just, it's just beautiful to, to walk around. And they're still working on the expansion in Disney Sea. Is that still moving forward, even with kind of all the budget cuts and the state of the world? Are they still moving forward with that uh, big expansion over there? Yeah, uh, the Fantasy Springs, that was well underway before everything happened in the world. Um, so I I think they don't really have a choice because otherwise you just have the, this half-done thing sitting there that everyone can see. So I, th- I think they don't really have a choice in, in that okay. sense. It's supposed to open in 2023, fiscal 2023. So... Uh, we haven't heard of any delays or anything, but it's really too early to tell because they're still laying the groundwork and all that. It's all just frames. That's all you see. All you see is just steel. <laughs> okay. I didn't even realize that they had uh, started on it, but I guess that's good to hear. What What are you most looking forward to in that expansion? I know they're going to have, I think, Tangled, Frozen, and Peter Pan as part of that. Yeah. So there, there's going to be two two Peter Pan attractions, one Tangled and one Frozen. I'm kind of interested to see what they're going to do with Peter Pan because Peter Pan exists already mm-hmm. in Disneyland and also the other Disney parks around the world, that classic attraction. So I'm wondering, what are they doing with Peter Pan with this one? You know, it's kind of interesting because it's also a, it's in Disney Sea, and we know Disney Sea doesn't play when it, when it comes to attractions. So I'm really curious to see what they're going to do with this this classic, you know, classic IP, I guess. Is Peter Pan really popular in, I in just, Japan? I was just going to ask that. Because it, it is kind of odd that they are adding that. To my knowledge, not really. Okay. I don't know. It's just, yeah, it seems like a very odd choice. Yeah, I feel like if you were going to do, you know, you know, three different movies and it was going to be those three that you'd put two Frozen attractions and mm. then one of the other two. So, yeah, that's that's a really interesting choice. They must have some, like, a really baller idea for it. They must, yeah, I don't something. I don't know. Because uh, Frozen was massive here. I think it was even bigger than in, like, other Western, or in Western countries. Like, Frozen just took over Japan for, like, a good year and a half. Like, that's all you saw. I know it was like that in other places, too. But here, it was just, I couldn't go into the convenience store without hearing Let It Go kind of thing. Um <laughs> Disney Sea was originally supposed to actually get a frozen, like a complete frozen area, but those plans were obviously uh, kiboshed. <laughs> they're not, they're not happening anymore. There, it was actually supposed to go in the corner where um, Indiana Jones is, like that. There's like a weird little nook that there's really nothing there. So that's where the it was originally supposed to go, but then they just didn't do it. So I guess it's being moved into the new Fantasy Springs. Now, where, where is the Fantasy Springs area going? Is that back by the Indiana Jones area? Uh, it's or? behind it all, yeah. So they're okay. they're effectively getting rid of all the 
parking, like the original parking for the the parks because they were behind them. And but now it seems like they're taking all that to like for expansion space because there's not a lot of space in this little island that the parks are built on. So they have to get really creative how they want to do it. Um, so yeah, it looks like the entrance is going to be between, you know, where Sinbad is, Sinbad and the, the carpets. Yeah. So there's like a path there. It looks like that's where the entrance is going to be. That's what it looks okay. like. I mean, okay. that's the only logical thing I can think of <laughs> that would that would work for it. Um, and on top of that, there's also the uh, new hotel that's coming. That's also going to be attached to the park. So Disney Sea is going to have two hotels in in the park on oh, either okay. end. Okay. So that's very interesting. And then actually right across the right across from. Uh, the expansion area because that's where the um one of the train the monorail station is you know where the the hilton is all the official hotels along there mm -hmm. they're building a toy story hotel right now oh okay that'll be interesting which is supposed to open next year and it's coming along pretty quickly so i think they'll sound look like they're probably gonna it'll probably open next year because they're moving pretty quick i mean it's just a hotel it's nothing fancy it's a right, it's a value they're calling it a value hotel because we, Tokyo Disney doesn't really have value hotels. I was gonna say yeah, they're very yeah. expensive. The, yeah, the two hotels they have. Yeah. The only value hotel we have is the um, Celebration Hotel, which is off site. It's about a twenty minute bus ride, and all they did was retrofit a, a Japanese um, business hotel with like some nice murals and called it a day. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not exactly the best hotel. So it's nice that they're. They're actually building a value hotel. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what that one's like. Because the second that you said, you know, Toy Story, I'm, my mind went crazy with all the possibilities for what they could do inside the hotel to make you look like you're tiny. You know, the other big expansion over at Tokyo Disneyland, which just opened, which is the big, you know, Fantasyland expansion. And, and that's kind of one of the reasons why, Chris, we wanted to have you on because uh, you kind of have firsthand knowledge of it. Not, not many people are able to travel over... Uh, you know, to Japan to, to mm -hmm. witness it. So I guess if maybe you could kind of talk through, you know, what that expansion's like. I think there's a, a few new attractions there. I know the, the headliner there is the Beauty and the Beast ride, which looks, um, the, the castle's incredibly detailed and, and, the, and the ride I think is different than kind of anything Disney's done. So, you know, maybe kind of talk through that, what the highlights are, what your thoughts on the new uh, attractions are there. Sure. Yeah, so um they're they're calling it new fantasy land which i guess is a little strange because it's only being the beast that's in fantasy land there's a baymax attraction which is a technically in tomorrowland and then there's minnie's style studio which is a meet and greet facility and that's technically in toontown but they're all kind of like in the same chunk so i guess it okay. just made more sense to call new fantasy land yeah. yeah it's a little confusing especially if you're used to the u.s parks because you know, don't didn't they call that one part of the Fantasyland New Fantasyland, or something? With um... um, yeah, I'm not sure if they whenever they did the big Fantasyland redo, if they called that New Fantasyland or not, but they may have. Yeah, I think yeah. I think it was more of the fans maybe that right. were calling it that or something. Right. I don't know. But yeah, so there's three new attractions. There's Baymax, the Happy Ride with Baymax which is the same ride system as Alien Swirling Saucers at Hollywood Studios. And then they also have, uh, like I mentioned, Minnie's Style Studio. Um, so she finally has her own meet and greet facility, similar to Mickey's house. Because mm -hmm. I know they have it at Disneyland in California. So it's nice that Minnie actually has her own place now. So it's, it kind of works the same where you get assigned... Um, a different room with Minnie and she has like a different costume. Um, I think they're only doing one costume right now due to what's happening in the world, but um, she's supposed to have four from what I know. But well, I've that'd only... be nice. Yeah. Kind of causes the repeat repeatability. Yeah. Um, so you have to go and kind of see all her different outfits. Mm -hmm. um, and then I guess the, the biggest thing obviously is Beauty and the Beast and that whole, the, the village area. That has the the Enchanted Tale of Beauty and the Beast, which is, a, which is a trackless dark ride, and then there's the restaurant La Taverne de Gaston, 
and there's a little there's little snack stands like Lefou's. He he sells an apple caramel churro, which is really good. That does sound oh, really you good. just said the magic words. <laughs> <laughs> All of that. It's really good. If you uh, said cinnamon apple churro, it would have been just a slight bit better, but just you said churro. So I <laughs> Now I think I might be out for a while. I'm, I will be dreaming of churros. <laughs> <laughs> it's re- yeah, it's really good. I'm I'm typically not a fan of churros myself. Mm-hmm. Um, more or less the ones at Tokyo Disneyland. I don't think they're fantastic. I prefer the ones at Disneyland in California. Mm-hmm. But this one's really good, though. I was really surprised. I was very happy with that. How detailed should I go with Enchanted Tale? I don't want to give away spoilers. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, we don't want to necessarily you know, maybe give away a lot of spoilers. But I guess, so I've seen um, pictures, and I'm sure our listeners have seen the castle mm-hmm. um, and everything. Is the ride itself actually in the castle? Oh, yeah. Okay. It, uh, you're, you you effectively go through the entire story of Beauty and the Beast. The moment you step into the village, then getting into the queue for the ride and then going through the ride and then when you exit it's it's the movie from start to finish they did it's really incredible how they're able to incorporate the story with walking into the land then going on to the attraction going through the queue and everything it was just is really well done how they did that kind of what what are your thoughts on the ride i mean we a couple weeks ago talked a little bit about this we you know saw some of the youtube ride videos yeah i mean i i, I think i was definitely blown away by the animatronics i think you know, some of the things they're doing there are unlike anything else they've done. But I also kind of felt that overall the ride was maybe lacking a little bit of that like kinetic energy that you get with some other trackless ride um, vehicles that it was it's more of kind of like a, a storytelling ride and you're kind of you spend more time, I think, in each scene. So it's it's more like a it almost seems more like a boat ride at where like instead of like a, a ride ride. So we were saying I think that maybe just watching on the screen, we were losing something in translation. So maybe you can clarify that. You might just be like, Nope, nope, you're wrong. It is absolutely <laughs> incredible. <laughs> Shut up. You lose your Disney card. You definitely lose stuff with watching the POV, especially especially for this attraction. There's just so much going on. Um, I, I don't think there's any way you can capture it on camera. Like you mentioned the kinetic energy. There's just, there's just so much energy going on and you're, you're spinning around, you're seeing all these, this detail and everything. And you're actually part of the story because you're, you're supposed to be like this little like teacup thing. And you're one of the enchanted items and you're going through the story with the other character. So it's not just you watching it. You're kind of like living it, which is um what they were going for and i think they did a really good job with it and especially if you're a fan of Beauty and the beast you're gonna love it it's great it was long it was really long (laughs) um much longer than i thought it would be to be quite honest and like i mentioned i think like the whole story isn't just the ride itself it's through the queue through the pre-show and everything so like the whole package i think is wonderful it's like one of those things that you can tell they put a lot of effort into this and a lot of money into this, and it re- and it really, really shows. I know people have asked me, like, oh, is this the best ride Disney's done? I had to think about this. Um, I don't want to I don't want to spoil anything too much. It's I'm gonna say it's up there. I'm not gonna say it's the absolute best they've ever done, but it's definitely up there. Now I'm curious what you what it what is better. What is the best now? I need to know. Rise of the Resistance. Okay. okay. Yeah. It doesn't touch that. I don't think anything will ever touch that. Rise of the Resistance, I think, is just a whole other, whole other level with that. I was, I was gonna say that seems to be the consensus. Is right. That, yeah. yeah. Rise is is kind of the, the bar. We're, we're I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little frustrated because we, we were supposed to go, we were supposed to go twice now, and we still haven't ridden it. Joe's watched the ride video. I'm like mm-hmm. one that. I don't like to, I mean, I did watch the Beauty and the Beast ride video because I figured it's going to be a while before I get back to Tokyo. My memory's terrible anyway, so I'll forget everything before <laughs> we get there. So, <laughs> but with Rise of the Resistance, I figured, you know, we'll probably get there pretty soon. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm, well, that makes me really excited. <laughs> yeah, I know Like everyone seems to put, like, you know, Tokyo on a pedestal. And, you know, Tokyo was great. Like, I'm, I'm not going to deny that. But yeah, I I wouldn't say Beauty and the Beast is the absolute best, but it's definitely like within my top three, for yeah. sure. Okay, what what do you think they like? What would you have liked to seen improvement wise in it? Like, is there anything you think they could have done that 
could have put it over the top just a little bit more or um, I mean I know, I know Rise is kind of yeah on a whole other level <laughs> it's a whole yeah. new world <laughs> Um, I, I thought about this and I wrote about it on, on my, the website as well. Um, without giving too much away, I, I don't want to spoil anything. There, there is one scene that I wish was extended a little bit in, in the attraction, but I thought about it and thought, well, the scene, there's a lot going on in that scene. I don't know how that would work technical wise. Like it's, I, I think it would almost be impossible to do. Other than that... I don't think there's really much else they could do with it because it's beating the beast. They're kind of stuck in this, like this story that they can't really change. Right. There's not much you can really, there's not a lot of wiggle room. Whereas an attraction like rise of the resistance, they got to do whatever they wanted. Right. They just had to put the characters in and come up with this story. Whereas being the beast, yeah, they're kind of locked into this box. Um, yeah. And I and, think that may have been, you know, as you're talking about it, I think that may have been, one of the reasons why I was maybe a little let down by it, I think just like watching the ride video, because you're right, it it is the same story. And I, I don't know why, but maybe f for whatever reason, I was thinking, oh, this is going to be, uh, you know, some new story. This is going to be something different than what we already know. And it was, it, 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 like you said, it's a retelling of, of Beauty and the Beast, and it's really well done. And, you know, I kind of think of it, you know, compared to Frozen Ever After. I mean, Frozen Ever After is kind of a retelling of Frozen, but I love that ride. So I, that's why I said, I imagine once I actually am there and riding it, and like you said, you're kind of from start to finish, the moment you step into the land, just engrossed in this story, I'll probably come off of it and be like, this is the greatest. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, I mean, it, it it really sounds like that they did um, an incredible job with it. So There, there is one one thing that I, I, I think they could have done that would have plussed it. <laughs> they should have had um this this isn't giving anything away they should have had something at the end they should have had a animatronic of celine dion singing beauty and the beast they should have had that at the end <laughs> and i think that would have been perfect you know being canadian of course you know i have to give it up to celine so <laughs> i think if they did that that would have been perfect <laughs> yeah, yeah. they can add it in later yeah oh, they, yeah they could be working on that they always tw uh tweak tweak with the rods a little bit so yeah. <laughs> Big, big fan, big fan. My dad loves Celine Dion. We we saw her in concert a couple times. This is a very big sidetrack here for our <laughs> podcast. But I think she was, uh, I think it was either, I think it was two hours late for her own concert though when oh, wow. we saw her. But she was fantastic. And she, of course, sang My Heart Will Go On, which was huge in the 90s whenever I probably went to that concert. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. But, yeah. <laughs> fantastic. Um, well, uh, speaking of Celine, um, in the, so the the soundtrack for the Beauty and the Beast area, they actually used two of the songs from the live action film. Um, okay. They used Evermore and uh, what's the song that Celine sings? I should know this. Um, anyway, the, the, the other song that she recorded for the live action. So they have like the instrumental kind of, I don't know, not, not folk, but you know that like fantasy kind of sounding music okay. i can't think of right. the name right now but yeah the, they they did renditions of those throughout the land so i think that's that was actually really cool to hear so i think overall definitely worth the wait oh yeah a hundred percent and it's not even fully open yet we still have the fan the forest the Fantasyland forest theater because there's supposed to be a brand new show um but due to what you know obviously that's happening in the world they didn't open the show because it's a live stage show and they're not doing stage shows right now so we don't know when that's going to open but there's an actual like full-on theater that's also still it's beside the beauty and the beast castle now is that going to be a beauty and the beast stage show or is that going to be a different property in there uh it's a different show uh it's it's with mickey and friends it's like oh, mickey's okay. musical world and it's supposed to have the most Disney characters in a show or something like that. Oh, wow. So, but we don't know when that's going to open, unfortunately. Probably, my guess is probably next year sometime. Yeah. All right. Is, is the song, How Does a Moment Last Forever? Is that yes, what it is? that, yeah, that's <laughs> the one. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Google. <laughs> great recap on that. I think I'm now converted that this ride is is a great ride I, I need to ride it more so I'm, I'm even more excited to go joe will be happy i'm ready to come back to japan now yes. <laughs> so i guess as far as if if people want to visit the tokyo disney resorts whenever we're all able to travel again and and do this um you know obviously 
coming from an English-speaking country like the U.S. or Canada, traveling abroad is always kind of scary, especially when you go to a country where they don't speak English. I know we definitely did a lot of research and planning before we went to mm-hmm. Japan last year, but what are some tips you have for people to kind of make that process easier if they're you know, wanting to visit uh, you know, Tokyo Disney to, to kind of ride this new attraction or in a few years to see the, the Fantasy Springs edition? In addition to obviously reading the website, our website. <laughs> um, By the way, you've mentioned it twice. I know you will have time at the end to say it, but say say the name of your website now and then you can say it again at the end. Uh, TDRExplorer.com. Okay. okay. So, right. yeah, there uh, we have free, like, free guides on our website, but we also have, like, the... If you want everything all in one, I set, like, we have an actual ebook that you can buy. Um, we're always updating that and stuff, so that's a really quick plug for, for that stuff. <laughs> we can talk about this for hours how do i condense this uh maybe no. top maybe like what's your top five tips <laughs> top five you, tips yeah can we condense it to that and or? one of them can't be learn japanese <laughs> well, i was gonna say learn a couple phrases yes. is is the is probably the best thing like learning how to say thank you and please and excuse me those will go a very long way um Locals lo- like love that, and it's, it's always really appreciated. Yeah, we we were really amazed by that. I think you know we did that same thing. We we kind of learned a few phrases, but we were still kind of concerned with how we're going to be able to communicate. But you really can't, especially within, um, I mean, all of Tokyo, but especially within Disney in the resort. I mean, the cast members are great. They're used to people coming in that don't speak Japanese, so you're able to communicate with hand gestures. I mean, I mean, they know kind of what you're looking for. Like you said, those few phrases really go a long way. Yeah, and then if you know, like a weird one, like I knew, I was like, oishi, they were so excited that I knew how to <laughs> like to say that it was something was delicious. They were like, what? <laughs> yeah, just, you know, just knowing like one or two words, you know, just makes people really happy. It just kind of like breaks, I don't know, just makes everything a little more relaxed, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, is, is a really good way to put it. Uh, they do have most things are in english like the menus at the restaurants are in english um signs are in english and things like that i guess the the big thing to for people is like i've seen this many times where people especially for some reason it's people from disney world that are used to disney world when they come here they kind of expect it to work the same and then they get kind of thrown off when it doesn't so i just tell people whatever you know about Disney parks, especially if you if you're from the U.S. or used to the U.S. parks, most of that doesn't apply here. So, any specifics on that? Like, what what do you mean necessarily that it doesn't work the same way as Disney? <laughs> Everything. <World Wars? laughs> you have to pay to ride the train. <laughs> yeah, um, like booking your hotels and stuff. Um, there's rules with that, um, and there's weird little quirks with that because I know people have issues with their foreign credit cards and mm-hmm. things like that. So there's like little things like that. Um, cultural things. There's a lot of cultural um, rules that are both written and unwritten. And knowing the unwritten ones kind of makes your life a little bit easier because I know it'll throw some people off. Like waiting for the parades, people will wait an hour or two or even longer for parades or shows and they have like these little picnic sheets that they put out and they'll sit and there's rules for that like rules that people have come up with like how to do it and things like that that that's one of the things people notice a lot they just got an english version of the app which was the weirdest thing because they've had the app for only about what two years at this point because i know in the u.s they've had an app for the parks for years Mm -hmm. tokyo disney just got one a few years ago in Japanese, and then the last year they translated it into multiple languages. Okay, that so, must have happened just after we went because <laughs> yeah. I feel like when we went, they only had the Japanese version. Yeah, I think the English one came out this year. Okay, okay. which I, I don't know how useful it is right now, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's a whole other ball game here just because well, I guess. Um, we didn't mention that Disney here is not actually owned by Disney. It's owned by another company called Oriental Land Company. Right. So they do what they think works best. Because uh, obviously most of the people that come to the parks here are Japanese. So they're going to cater to that more than, uh, you know, to, to tourists. So, And I think another difference 
you know, specifically if you're used to going to Walt Disney World, um, you know, people are used to park hopping, you know, oh, going yeah. and, and going to multiple parks in a day where, um, you know, over in Tokyo, you have to buy, I think at least a three day ticket because it's, you only can go to one park a day. At least that's how it was when we went. Mm-hmm. And then the third day on, you can then park hop between the two. Um, so that's kind of something that's a little bit different. You have to kind of plan out, well, which, which park do I want to visit first, you know, and on the second day. Um, so that, that definitely is a big thing that, you know, if you're only used to going to Disney World, you're used to just going to any park you want any day. Um, that's definitely a, you know, a big change. Yeah, that's kind of their form of crowd control because the parks here, um, if anyone looks at like uh, the top five most visited theme parks in the world, three parks are in Japan every year. Yes. Disneyland, Disney Sea, and Universal Studios Japan. So mm-hmm. the parks get busy here. They really do. So they had to do something, I guess, to kind of help the crowds. Like you said, the the park hopping thing. I always tell people if it's your first time you don't want to be park hopping on the first couple of days anyway. You're just going to be so overwhelmed. And especially with Disney Sea, like you, you don't want to park hop on your first day at Disney Sea anyway. There's just so much to do because it's a completely different park to anything else in the world. So don't cut your time short by <laughs> feeling you need to park hop and do it all. Just enjoy it. Do you have a recommendation for people on which park to visit first? Do you, do you recommend people go to Disneyland first or start at Disney Sea if they've never been to the resort before? Uh, that's a tough one. It kind of, I guess it kind of depends. I know some people have this tradition of, oh, I always started at a castle park. And some people ask if it's even worth going to Disneyland and just skipping it all together. And I tell people, no, 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 you do not skip it. Just because it has this, has Cinderella Castle doesn't mean everything else in that, that park is the same. There, there are a lot, obviously a lot of clones, um, but... Now, especially with Beauty and the Beast, I think it's kind of a no-brainer. But even before Beauty and the Beast opened, I always told people there's so much there to do that's different and unique to that park. It, it warrants its own visit, um, like our yeah, our, our yeah, daytime even, parade. Yeah, even the, the castle itself. I mean, there's a completely different experience inside the castle with all the miniatures inside and the glass slipper and all that stuff. I'm usually a person that likes to start with the castle park first. It just feels... I don't know, like a tradition. Um, and then going over to Disney Sea for the second day. I guess it kind of depends on like where the parks are in your trip. Because obviously if you're coming from the West, there's going to be the the time difference. You're going to be jet lagged and everything. And maybe Disneyland's a little more familiar. So you may not feel as bad if you like, okay, middle of the day, I'm going to go back and have a nap. You feel like you're not missing out on too much. Whereas Disney C, you're going to want to be like full of energy and you're going to be there the entire time. So it might be better to kind of just get some rest and then be rested up to go on the second day. That's exactly what I was thinking. If if somebody wants, you know, kind of a more familiar park, start with Disneyland. I think it's a it's an easier way to kind of ease yourself into, Mm -hmm. like you were saying, some of the cultural differences and and learning some of those written and unwritten rules because the layout is very familiar if you've ever been to Magic Kingdom mm-hmm. or Disneyland in California that you can kind of find your way around intuitively. Mm-hmm. And so you don't necessarily have to be worried about that. You can kind of just, yeah, get used to the culture. And then, like you said, maybe rest up a little bit. And then when you're at Disney Sea, it's a completely different experience unlike anything you've ever had. And, and you really, you know, want to be kind of alert and attentive for all of that. <laughs> yeah. One of the biggest i mean it's starting to creep over here into the u.s but one of the biggest differences that i noticed between the parks is just the abundance of popcorn and popcorn buckets so what is your favorite of the 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 many popcorn buckets and i know that you know they change them out so you know what might have existed five years ago does not exist today I'd have to say, so I don't really buy the popcorn buckets all that often just because there's so many and they take up a lot of space. So I'm very yeah, selective of what I, I actually do buy. This is probably a little biased, but that's okay. The The new Beauty and the Beast popcorn bucket that just came out, the Lantern, it lights up and it ha- looks like it has stained glass on it. And it is gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. And people are going nuts for it. So I had to get myself one. <laughs> It's amazing how all out they go on yeah. the popcorn containers. Yeah. And then all the different flavors of popcorn, too. I mean, like it, it is just, 
it's something I feel like it's very specific mm-hmm. to the the Tokyo resorts. I mean, it's definitely not like that here at the U.S. parks. I like, like I said, they're I, they're creeping in yeah, now, but but definitely not with the flavored popcorn. Oh things. no, yeah. Oh. Yeah, there's so many different flavors here. My my favorite that's been around for years is the black pepper. That's one of my favorites. Mm. And then also the the classic honey popcorn that's a in front of Pooh's Honey Hunt. Like that's always a go-to for for me. Also, another thing that is just absolutely just mind-blowing is just how popular Duffy and friends are in the Tokyo parks. So, the big question, what's your favorite Duffy character? Duffy. Duffy is number one. He, <laughs> he, he's the original. He was the one... Um, OG. Yeah, the OG. And I got into Duffy when I first visited Tokyo Disney in 2010. I was here on a trip. And I was with a, a Japanese friend. And uh, she she had a Duffy, the Duffy bear. And I said, oh, what's that? That's really cute. And she explained you know, Duffy the Disney Bear, and we, we were at Disney Sea, and I went and I saw it firsthand. I'm like, oh, this is really cute. And then shortly thereafter, that's when Duffy came to the U.S. again. Um, it was like 2011, and um, I actually my Duffy's actually technically American. I bought him from California Adventure. Oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, I always think that's kind of funny. Uh, yeah, so I, I have to go with Duffy. Duffy's the original, and they keep adding characters. <laughs> There's yeah. just more and more characters. It's hilarious. Is Olu the last one they added? Is, or, or have they added somebody else after Olu? I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I know Olu's making uh, a U.S. invasion here. He's he's coming to Disney World at the Poly. Um, he, he's kind of all over there. Because, yeah, we I don't think Disney World has Duffy. I mean, he was here for a little bit, and I yeah. think he's kind of gone again yeah yeah olu's making a a comeback yeah i'm wondering if they're gonna try again with duffy and friends because it's such a money machine over here in asia like also shanghai and hong kong like they're just huge so i think they're just they may try another go in the u.s who knows i think so yeah i think especially if all that olu stuff sells out i think they'll start bringing all the other ones in I just can't, like, the U.S. really needs to get their game, their stuff together because those little, like, cute keychains that they have for on your bags and stuff, they don't sell stuff like that here. And I feel like that would sell, like, hotcakes. And that is the only thing in Japan that was, like, super kind of expensive. Like, every other souvenir was super reasonably priced, but those little tiny keychains were, like, 20 bucks. And it's just a tiny stuffed animal. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think they, they need to they need to get on that. Yeah, having those little accessories, people love it. It just it just works. I don't know. We got a little, little sidetracked here. Any other tips that you have for anybody um, that you can think of? I know we kind of <laughs> meandered a little bit there, but um, don't skip Disneyland. I I want to really emphasize that. Do not skip Disneyland. People okay. ask that. I get asked that quite a bit, and I just tell them no, don't do it. Just because it has the name Disneyland in it doesn't mean it's a complete carbon copy of the other yeah. other parks. So don't skip it. Learning some phrases. Don't skip Disneyland. Don't park hop when you're going to Disney Sea. <laughs> you'll <laughs> you'll regret that. And I don't know. Eat all the food. Just eat <laughs> all, all right. the food. Like, come on. <laughs> There's just so much food. All right, so that's a perfect segue. So I was gonna say <laughs> we'll, we'll get you out of here with some kind of rapid fire. What's your favorite, you know, best of? And I was going to start with what's your favorite food item? What's the best thing to eat? So that was a great segue into that. And and if, if you have a hard time picking, we'll give you like a top like three to five. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly because I just want to know when I, when I go back. <laughs> um, for snacks, easily the, the, the pizza spring roll, the one that they have here is delicious. I do know they have one in Magic Kingdom, but it's not the same. The one here is different. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know. It's, it's delicious either way. Uh, there's that. There's the... It's called the the Ukiwa bun. Ukiwa means like life preserver. Uh-huh. And it's a little it's a little steamed bun that looks like a little life preserver. And it has shrimp and pork in it. And it's delicious. And the packaging is Donald. So it looks like Donald in the packaging. It looks like he's in... The lifesaver. Oh, life preserver. Okay. Yeah, the life preserver. I've seen those, but I didn't realize that the packaging had Donald in them. Yeah. So if you like hold it a certain way, you'll see Donald's butt. 
coming out of it. It's just it's really cute how they did that. That's really that's really good. That's one of my go tos when I want something cheap and filling because you know it's a steam bun. Steam buns are kind of a thing in Asia. So, um, what else? There's so many. Spicy chicken leg is one that I always get. Um, they do have turkey legs here, but I, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of turkey legs. Uh, but they have this thing at Disney Sea called the spicy chicken leg, and it's not it's not huge, but it's it's a nice portion, and it's really really good. Yeah. So a lot of people seem to think that Japan all they have is seafood, and the theme parks all they have is seafood. Like there is seafood, but there's so much more than just that. You know, pizza spring roll. Like that's not seafood and <laughs> you know chicken leg and stuff. So even picky eaters can can come here and be okay. Um, vegetarian vegan that's a whole other story. But we but we won't get into that. <laughs> I was just gonna say when whenever we went, I ordered like a, a it was like a vegetable pizza and there was there was meat on it. It wasn't at, at Disney. It wasn't in the Disney park, but it was outside of the Disney park. And like it is interesting because they kind of in Japan they kind of seem to like just throw that stuff in. <laughs> Yeah, like if it says it's it's a vegetable something, they there might be meat in it. Mm-hmm. It has to specifically say vegetarian mm-hmm. on it, and even then, it's a little iffy. If yeah, Japan doesn't quite have that concept. It's getting better, but it's yeah, is what it is. <laughs> All right. So, what is your favorite attraction? We'll go each park. So, what's your favorite one in uh, Disneyland and favorite one over in Disney Sea? Okay. Um, well, Disneyland, I guess it would be kind of a cop out. I would just say Beauty and the Beast. Um, that's kind of a given. Beauty and the Beast is probably like the reason to go to Disneyland. Like, there's it's phenomenal. Um, if there wasn't Beauty and the Beast there, I would definitely say uh, Pooh's Honey Hunt. Yeah, I was gonna mm-hmm. say okay. if you don't say Pooh's Honey Hunt, it's cute. It's such a cute ride. Like that that so that's good. the original trackless dark ride. Right. Mm-hmm. So everything is based off of that. Everything. Is because of that attraction. So it's hard to believe that ride's like twenty years old. At this yeah, point. it does not seem like that at all. No, no, it's it's aged very well. Yes, I, it has. I I was shocked because I'm I've said this on the podcast like seventy two thousand times. I'm sure our listeners are so tired of hearing me say it, but I'm not that big of a fan of of Winnie the Pooh. And when I went on that ride, I was like, oh, I want to ride it again. Like this is so much fun. It's such a good ride. It makes you love Winnie the Pooh. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, just so well done. Yeah, good choice. Good choice. And what do you think is the most overhyped ride? Well, hold on, Disney Sea. Oh, sorry. F- favorite ride at Disney Sea. <laughs> <laughs> Disney Sea. I would have to go with Journey to the Center of the Earth. That's a good ride. The other one I know everyone loves is Sinbad. <laughs> oh, don't even talk about Sinbad. Yeah. I'm still mad about that. It was uh, that was under refurbishment <gasps> when we went. Oh so we no, I'm it. sorry. Yeah. Oh no. But did you say I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did I did I hear it? Did I hear it? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's my Canadian coming out. Um, more reason for you guys to come back. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, we went and um, it was last year. So they were doing a lot of refurbishments because yeah. they wanted to get everything ready for the Olympics. And then yeah, I mean, all that, that went out. out the window. So, yeah. <laughs> but that's, what, that's what I said. I said, more reason to come back. All these expansions. You know, I, I said a couple years. I, hey, I'm, I'm ready to go. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. I had to buy a little Shondu uh, keychain though, just just to have one because he's so cute. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, he's so yeah, such a cute little character. I love he it. Is. <laughs> he is. All right. So, what is your now? We can now I can ask it. What's your most overhyped ride? Oh my goodness, that's a tough one because I'm I'm so used to the rides here, right? Um, mm-hmm. Let me think. Not Tower Terror. Tower Terror is not overhyped. The yeah. The theming is just phenomenal in that ride. Mm-hmm. Soaring here, not mm, kind of the same as Tower Terror. The theming of it uh, is phenomenal. Like it is easily the best queue out of all the soarings. Like it, it puts the one at Disney World to shame. Puts the one at mm-hmm. Disneyland to shame. <laughs> like by a large margin. But the 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 actual ride itself is exactly the same except they change out one movie at the end and that's about it. Okay. Um, ooh, this is hard. Like I thought it was going to be an easy question. No, this is really tough. I'm going to say a- Aquatopia because okay. okay. that is it is a trackless ride. That's about it. It's outside, spins around. I don't know. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's it's cute at night because it's light lights up and everything. But for the most part, I'm like. Eh. 
I'm not going to wait more than five minutes for this thing. <laughs> I could, I could see that. I could see that. Yeah, I could see if you're a frequent visitor, yeah. you kind of skip in that It one. was at least a thousand degrees outside when we went, so Aquatopia was one of our favorites. Oh, you would have went, this was the summer? Uh, yeah, we went in July. Okay, yeah, because that's when they turn on the water for it and drench you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so they don't have that, whenever it gets cooler out, they turn those water jets off and everything. Yeah, because no one wants okay. to get sprayed with water when it's almost freezing outside <laughs> i was gonna say that that's good to know because i was kind of thinking that like you know i always think of that like you know splash mountain i mean florida's usually always pretty warm but it does get cold sometimes yeah. and it's like i would would not want to ride that if it mm-hmm. was you know below probably even 70 um and i was kind of thinking that with aquatopia like i would not want to get sprayed with these jets all year so that's okay so they turn that off that's interesting to know. especially since some of them spray directly yeah, in your you, face you get really wet <laughs> yeah you do well yeah it 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 can snow here. Like, that's how cold it does get. Like, Florida, it doesn't snow. But, so, yeah. it doesn't get cold enough. But here, it does. Like, it definitely does get cold It's 2020. Enough. We maybe shouldn't say it doesn't Florida <laughs> snow. You never know, yeah. right? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a couple months left. So, uh, kind of last question around meet and greets. Now, Japan, kind of, they have the traditional meet and greets. But I think also, we were kind of surprised by, they, they have just kind of like free, free roaming characters and it's just kind of like a free-for-all to get your picture with them mm-hmm. free-range characters yeah. like yeah. chickens <laughs> so i and, and they also have a lot of characters I, I think you don't see at some of the u.s parks so i guess kind of maybe a two-part question one what's the, like what's your kind of favorite uh you know meet and greet character most unique you know meet and greet maybe character um at the parks and two do you kind of like that style of just free roaming character meet and greet better than kind of the more traditional one that we definitely have like at Disney World where, you know, you're waiting a half an hour, 45 minutes to get a, a picture with someone. Uh, most unique. Um, I know a favorite that for a lot of people is um, the Aristocats, like Marie and the other two. <laughs> the remember. other ones with really French names. Yeah, I can never remember them. Um, those are pretty unique. Um I, I I do like those those ones. Um, well, Chip and Dale are my favorite characters. So seeing them in their different costumes, um, I'm always I'm always down for that. Um, they're always <laughs> running around with different costumes and stuff, which is really cute. That's great. Yeah. Um, so I'll probably go with that. Um, do you do their dinosaur ones over there? No, they oh, they do other ones, but. Um, one character meet and greet that they don't do anymore that I wish I got to do, this was years ago. They used to have Santa Claus and Duffy during Christmas time. Oh, wow. Oh, that would be pretty cool. amazing. They used to do that and they stopped it because it was too popular. Uh-huh. Um, the lines, I, a friend of mine did do it. She said the line was eight hours every day. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. That is excessive. <laughs> so. I wish I got to do that because that would have been really cool. Because, you know, uh, Santa Claus and teddy bears just kind of go hand in hand having right. Duffy in there. I can see why it was so popular. To answer your question about the style that they do the character greetings here, um, I think that might be gone now because they've changed. Like, obviously, with the way things are going in the world right now, they've stopped doing the free roaming characters. Okay. Because um, before, there it was kind of a, a cluster. <laughs> Trying to get yeah, pictures with these characters. Yes. I always found it very frustrating. I rarely did it because it was just, it was too much for me. Yeah. Um, I I did learn some tricks though. Because um, most people are, you know, yelling Japanese at them. If you said something in English, that kind of stood out. So half the time the character would hear English and then they would kind of like gravitate towards you more than the Japanese guests. So that was kind of a trick I would use sometimes if I wanted to get their attention. Like, hi, Pinocchio. And they'll turn and they'll see me. Yeah, then I'll I'll get my picture quicker. (laughs) Um, But I don't know if those are ever going to come back now. They're kind of doing the same style as like the other parks where the characters are like, They'll come out on a balcony or something like that. Yeah, and you kind of just take a selfie with them from yeah. a distance type thing. Okay. I kind of prefer that, to be honest, just because it's easier to get a picture with them instead of, like, having 20 people crowding around and you have, like, yeah. the picture with them and then, there's yeah, there's a bunch of other people standing around. And it just it's makes chaotic. for kind of a weird photo op, right? Mm-hmm. So I was... 
I was never a fan of the roaming character ones just because there was just too many people in my opinion. I, I prefer the waiting in line, even if it is long, and then I can actually get like a nice proper picture with them mm -hmm. instead of having to fight with people. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I think that's it. Again, uh, Chris, really appreciate you yes. joining us. Um, if you kind of you plugged your website earlier, but if if people want to um, you know hear more from you or, or follow you, where can they do so? If you want to kind of plug your different channels now. Yeah, so if you want to plan your trip to uh, Tokyo Disney Resort, I also do stuff on Hong Kong Disneyland, Shanghai Disneyland, and also other theme parks in Asia. So I talk about Universal Studios and stuff, and I also have stuff that just helps you travel in general, not just to the theme parks, because if you're coming all this way, there's a good chance you're not just going to the theme parks for two days and then going back, <laughs> right, right. back overseas. So we cover quite a bit of stuff um, over on our website, tdrexplore.com. I'm also on YouTube, so we do YouTube videos, TDR Explorer. We also have a podcast as well uh, called TDR Now. And I have a co-host. She lives here in Japan. She's actually from Florida originally. So she has a lot of insight on Disney World and how it differs here and all that stuff. So um, we have that podcast. And yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. And hopefully travel gets back sometime next year like it's not gonna happen this year it's not happening and i will say if if any of our listeners are you know interested in seeing more of the parks definitely your youtube channel is great you do a lot of mm -hmm. vlogs over there in the parks you know kind of like i said you did one on you know the new Fantasyland expansion and everything seeing some of those details so that's a great place if if you're thinking about going to the parks and you want to kind of see more what it's like or You've been to the parks and you're kind of missing them. Yeah, definitely, you know, following your YouTube channel is a, a great way to get that fix. Thank you. So uh, thanks, Chris. This, is, uh, this has been great and thank we you. really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me on. It was fun. All right. So thanks again to Chris for being on the show. Thank you. And so getting into Disney news now, Disney announced a major restructuring of its entertainment division. So it announced that all its media and entertainment divisions would be restructured. And the focus is going to be on streaming with Kareem Daniel now being the chairman of this new division. And so it kind of sounds like Disney's putting everything under the streaming umbrella. Yeah, this is really interesting. So I'm wondering if what this means for major motion pictures. I mean, are they really going to kind of give up on that as a medium and really just focus on everything for Disney Plus and develop it for that? Um, I guess time will tell, but it's kind of what it's seeming to be. And then also, what's the quality of that going to be? I mean, those straight to straight to streaming movies, you know, the CGI might not be as good, although the Mandalorians not does not go under that. Um, some like Noel, I know that with, you know, the baby reindeer and everything, it didn't look as good as it would have had it gone to theaters. So I'm wondering what the quality is going to be for those. Yeah, and I think this had a lot of like mixed reactions uh, among people. I mean, streaming is really the only one positive for Disney right now. So I think it makes a lot of sense that they're focusing more on it. And Bob Chapek even came out and said that this isn't a direct reaction to COVID. Maybe COVID accelerated this change a little bit more, but this was always the direction they were heading, you know, putting all of their cards kind of behind streaming. And I think even Bob Iger, you know, last year when they were talking about Disney Plus, you, you kind of got that feel that this is the way they were going. This is the way. Yes. <laughs> now, they they have kind of come out and said, you know, no, this doesn't mean that theatrical movies are done. But I do really think this is just another... Nail in the coffin. Yeah, another bad sign for theaters. You know, all of the movies this year have been delayed until next year. I think this is another sign that Disney's now focusing on streaming. Universal has already started just releasing movies on demand without going to theaters. As much as they say that they're still going to focus on theatrical movies. I do think you're going to see a lot more coming, maybe not directly to Disney Plus, but I think they're going to shorten that window. So whereas, you know, it might have been a three-month theatrical run and then you have a, a break and then you come to Disney Plus, I think you may start seeing, hey, movies are in theaters for a few months and then they're directly on Disney Plus. There's, there's kind of no wait or maybe they're concurrently on Disney Plus and in theaters for the last few weeks. So I think that paradigm is going to change. I do think Marvel movies and those major blockbusters, I don't think it changes for them. 
because I think if it was going to change, we would have seen Black Widow come to Disney Plus by now. Yeah, I yeah, I don't think Marvel's going to be included in this. And I say that kind of I don't want to say unfortunately because I'm just concerned because you know, you know, Joe's definitely and I love the Marvel and I love Star Wars and everything too, but the animation is always my top concern. I love those animated movies. I love the Pixar movies. So I'm wondering what that means for this. And I think that it could even mean something positive. Like maybe they could produce more. Uh, Maybe they could hire or restaff things so that they could produce more of these because I don't think that animation is something that necessarily has to be seen in a big theater. But if they can make quality ones, not like, you know, a lot of your early 2000s sequels, and then put them straight on Disney Plus, that is a major appeal for all like all people. You know, like you said, Pixar, Walt Disney Studios Animation, I think those are good candidates for either going directly to streaming or coming out on streaming early because they are family movies mm-hmm. that I think, like you said, kids are going to watch them. I don't think they necessarily care as much if they see it in a movie theater or not. Parents would probably be happy to just turn it on the TV, have a new movie for the kids to watch. I do think that what may potentially happen is this is going to accelerate price increases as well. So Disney Plus is relatively cheap at $7. I would not be surprised if within the next year, 18 months, as Disney rolls out more exclusive content, that they start changing the pricing model to the point where it's $7 for the standard package. But if you want the premium releases, yeah, if you want all the new releases right away, it's going to be 12 or $15 a month. So for $7, you can still get it, but it's six months after it comes out, like you normally would anyways you, on DVD. You essentially get a fast pass for, for the movies. Yeah, because if you think about it, sure, streaming is making a lot of money, but there's no way at $7, Disney's going to make enough money to forego billions and billions of dollars in ticket sales at the movie theaters. Right. So there's that balance of cannibalizing your existing business. So there's going to be some some of that where they're going to lose out on some theatrical revenue, but I, I would not be surprised if they start tiering it differently. You know, they, they tried the premium rental with Mulan. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a you know a premium monthly fee to get earlier access movies. I guess time will tell. Yeah. So it, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens here. So the other piece of news I wanted to mention is around the theme park. So Walt Disney World reservations are now open through the end of 2021. So people interested in going to the 50th anniversary, which is going to start around October, um, can now book their vacation if they want to. Have we booked for 2021 yet? No, because I, I think it's too early. I think with still, you know, the, the parks are operating at 25% capacity, according to uh, Bob Chapek, that it's still too early. I think you have to see how the demand comes back in 2021, because I think people are expecting everybody's going to go for the 50th. But if bookings are light, you might get some deals. I think it's too early to book a year gotcha. out. But the interesting thing with this is that the Park Pass reservation system is uh, the dates have now extended all the way through 2021 and into the first couple weeks of 2022. So hmm. Disney has talked about this, that you know this new technologies that they're using, the Park Pass system is here to stay, um, at least for the foreseeable future. And it looks like at least they're you know right now they're planning to use it all the way through the beginning of 2022, which I kind of find interesting. I guess they could reverse course on that if you know, all of a sudden they could open up the parks at whatever capacity they want. I have to imagine they like it because they can know how many guests are going to be in each park each day. Yeah. But the interesting thing is they're also selling park hoppers for next year. So how do you have mm. park hoppers with park pass? Cause you can still only make one park reservation a day. So I think one of those is going to have to give either park hopping's not coming back January 1st, like, like they're selling the tickets on or there's going to be some sort of modification to that park reservation that maybe you still have to make reservations and maybe you can only make two parks a day, but you can, you can then park hop that way. So I think it's interesting and it, and it will be interesting to see how this all eventually works out, but it does seem like at least for right now, if you're booking a trip for the next year, 18 months, you're still going to have to make your park pass reservations. All right, so that, that wraps up the show for this week. want to thank everybody again for listening. Uh, we really appreciate 
you tuning in every week. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe, leave us a rating or, or a review wherever you get your podcast. We really appreciate it. Thanks for letting us your ears. And we'll see you here next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>